Reports say that every year, technology moves further and further along. I don't even think we need these reports to tell us what our eyes can clearly see. Computers process data quicker, display images faster and clearer, as well as make everyday life just better. But is there any place for this advancement during the play-by-play within professional baseball? Let's talk about it. Play ball! Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Ball and Pit Podcast, a willy-nilly talk show about baseball life and the occasional knee slapper. So grab your Cracker Jacks, sit back, and relax. It's gonna be a doozy. Here's your host, the Beans Knees himself, Brian Brava. Hey, baseball fans. I am your host, Brian Brammer, and this is the Ball Mitt Podcast, Episode 6. We are creeping upon the 10-week anniversary. Yes, 10 weeks. When you're this small, you have to celebrate the very minimal milestones. And I know you're probably thinking, sheesh, this is worse than when my first girlfriend and I celebrate our one month. Yes, I, I agree with you. But dating hasn't really been kind to me this last decade. So I implore you to just let me have this one. Now, this is some good news. One team from North Carolina is representing out in Omaha this coming weekend. Now, with how well the Orioles are playing this year, sarcasm, and the fact that the Terrapins couldn't bunt against Charlie Brown, I got to have something to cheer for, right? Why not join the bandwagon and root for the Tar Heels? What about you guys? Eight teams left. Are any of those your team? Let me know about it on Twitter. And rub it in that Maryland sports are an abomination. Now, before we get into today's topic of why everyone who believes in automated balls and strikes should go fly a kite, I want to read you a story. I have this book here called Untold Tales from the Bush Leaks. It's written by Rick Schultz, and it's a collection of stories from broadcasters who called the action and the minor league baseball system. During a game in 1998, Renegades relief pitcher John Cummins accomplished a feat that is difficult to comprehend in professional baseball. Midway through the game, Cummins was summoned to take over for an injured umpire who had to leave the game. One player from each team was picked to umpire when their team was on defense, while the only other umpire remained behind home plate. For a player who hadn't officiated anything other than soccer and a few Little League games, it was a wacky memory he won't soon forget. Midway through the ballgame, when one of the two umpires was hurt, both managers were called out to home plate. After a lengthy discussion with the one remaining up, they each returned to their respective dugouts. The Renegades pitching coach and former big leaguer Ray uh, Searage called down the bench to Cummings. He said they needed me to umpire, Cummings uh, recounted. I said, are you serious? Tampa Bay Devil Rays field coordinator Tom Foley leaned over and asked, you do know what you're doing, don't you? Cummings had a pretty good idea and responded, I can't believe I'm going to umpire a minor league baseball game. Cummins said he was, it was a surreal experience. It was a little different, difficult being on the other side of both teams. I saw some of the different things they go through. Usually standing on the hill looking down at the catcher and the umpire, you don't really think about it that much. I was nervous at first. What if I have to make a close call and everybody's arguing and the coach comes out and gets in my face? Cummins was lucky enough to have an uneventful few innings as an acting umpire and ironically later came in to pitch three effective innings. One blemish on his line, however, was a home run he allowed as a result of a blown call by the umpire. The ball actually hit the top of the wall in left center, 
but the home plate ump thought it had hit the scoreboard and caromed back into the field. After umpiring the same game, Cummings didn't feel right putting up much of an argument. I was hoping he'd give me the call, Cummings joked, since we were pals out there now. One would expect the wacky experience would give the pitcher a newfound respect for the men in blue. A little bit, he surmised, but you know how it goes. You can't like the umpires, win or lose. Either way, they are bad, but they do a pretty tough job out there. So I just thought that was interesting. This book is comprised of about 80 short stories like that. Good, simple read. Buy it on Amazon. Good book. Uh, something you can read before you go to bed or, you know, while you're on the toilet. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and, and, and begin. All right. Last week, I closed the episode with the following line, get out of here with that rubbish, when referring to the automated strike zone or robo-ump as it's uh, also called. So we're going to use those words interchangeably. I'm, I'm going to try to say robo-ump, not to demean it. I don't. It's kind of a funny word, but it's just simpler to say that, but I'm not trying to demean what it actually is. It's an automated strike zone, okay? And so I, I don't, with that comment last week, I wasn't trying to be dismissive or demeaning to the idea. But you know how those things go. You got to rile them up so that, so that they listen. Nothing pushes digital media more than controversial statements. So there's mine. Anyway, my context concerning the automated strike zone was in regard to how the umpires can better perform and be more consistent with how they approach their job. And it seems that many, if not a majority of arguments with umpires revolves around balls and strikes. Naturally, we would assume that in order to correct this, we must implement some change that directly corresponds to where we find the initial problem. Because everyone knows that when a car stops running, it's absolutely because it needs a new engine and can't possibly be that the tank is empty. You think I'm just using this as an example, but this happened to me in college my junior year. Twice. Took the car to the shop, only to find out it had just run out of gas. Talk about some expensive fuel. Anyway. Let's cut to the chase. I want to say the number one solution that gets brought up uh, in regard to umpires and their missed balls and strikes is the robo-ump. Robo-ump is the super secret code word for automated strike zone. Eric Burns is one of the advocates leading this campaign, along with my best friend, Brian Kenny. Go figure. Here is the proposal in a, I guess, a beta form. Uh, don't quote me on this, but it's, it's, the, it's the gist of it. It's the idea. Cameras would be used in certain locations, perhaps just one is needed, not sure. I think there was three in Eric Burns' experiment back in 2015, but technology might have gotten further along with that. Uh, so they'll use these cameras to automatically determine whether a pitch is a ball or a strike. A fifth umpire, or some iteration of one, would stare at a screen and speak the pitch into the ear of the umpire via a microphone. The umpire would make us call, and perhaps a light would shine for all to see if it's a strike. Sounds simple enough. Now, I know there is probably more that goes, goes on regarding this exercise. I don't want to make it sound too simplistic. Uh, in fact, Eric Burns experimented with this in the minors, like I mentioned, several years ago. And he said that there was not a, sim a single complaint or a blown call. And again, I don't want to oversimplify the technology of the RoboUmp, but there just isn't enough time in the universe to get so granular. So we're going to keep it as it is. So for, for the sake of the argument, a computer using cameras would call balls and strikes rather than the subjective determinations from a hum, human umpire. Again, if I misrepresented this, I apologize. I, I don't, it's not my intention to dismiss an idea or speak of it condescendingly to help me prove my point. I'm not, 
I'm not into the premeditated logical fallacy here of, I guess, setting up a straw man. I don't want to create, if I'm going against a certain view, I don't want to falsely represent that so it makes my point better. That's not helpful for anyone. So if that's if it comes across that way, I apologize. But I try to keep these episodes in 20, 25, 30-minute chunks, and I want to get down to the meat of the idea rather than all the different nuances. So, so I do apologize for that. So I want to go over why I think this solution doesn't belong in the game. I don't think it does. I don't think there's a place for robo-umps. I think it just kind of sends us down a slippery slope to borrow another fallacy. What I mean by that is the inevitable will happen, and I'll get to that later on. But I don't think the problem is just balls and strikes. That's just the one that we notice. So, so any solution that comes has to address more than just the balls and strikes. I don't, I don't want to get into this idea of what we did or what we talked about last week and how we, we patch these genes, <laughs> so to speak. Let me know if you like that analogy. I, it came off the top of my head. I thought it was pretty good. But I don't want us to just throw these patches on these rules and it's just this ugly kindergarten collage that we're forced to put on our refrigerator. Okay, so I have four points that I want to go over and some of my opinion. And then I want to go over, I think I had four, maybe five uh, solutions. These solutions are not awesome. <laughs> I know they need to be worked out, but it's something to, to think about. It's, it's giving more options out there for us to choose from. So number one is the technology just isn't there yet. Although it doesn't mean that it won't be eventually. I need to concede to that point. I know it's not there yet, but technology is advancing and advances quickly. I truly don't think, though, that the computer will achieve 99% accuracy. Heck, our current umpires get calls right about 90 to 95% of the time. I think 95% is a little closer. And that's honestly perfectly fine by me. I don't have any fancy numbers to back up this claim, but changing something so fundamental to the game, that being human umpires, is not worth the extra 4%. It's not. I also think the RoboUmp will struggle with adjusting the strike zone. I know it's pre-uploaded based on batting practice, but things change in the box. I'm not saying the strike zone will change if a batter squats or stands tall. This will apparently be taken care of beforehand. But what I'm saying is, will the technology, the computer, adjust properly based on what goes on in the batter's box that wasn't accounted for or predicted? So his, the, the batter's own adjustments to where he wants to hit the ball or how hard he wants to swing, that is determined by how he positions himself in the box uh, and his, his stance. Not his beginning stance, but the adjustments he makes to where he ends when the ball crosses the plate. So I may be ignorant of some things that are going on. I've, I've, I've done as much research as I can, but I keep hearing that there, there's going to be another person behind the computer kind of moving the zone, so to speak. It's there, but it needs to be slightly tampered with, and I think that's a problem. If this robo-umpire idea cannot work 100% of the time, we, we should not utilize it. We shouldn't because we, I, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just move forward and, and I'll, I'll bring up why I think that. Uh, so 
try not to be fuming mad right now and shaking your heads because I'll get to it. Um, okay, so I, as I mentioned, the batters have a particular stance. And the pitchers, their release points are different within the same at bat. So there's, there's more factors. So a hitter swing mechanics are fine-tuned to be consistent, but doesn't mean their approach to each pitch is the same. How will a radar pick that up, or, or will it? And as I mentioned, I'm limited in my knowledge in regard to lasers and radars and cameras and interdimensional time travel, but computers adjust and interpret inputted data, data outside itself. If that is inconsistent or does something unexpected, what will a computer generate? The output is only as good as the input. I mean, let's think of a power outage or a simple malfunction. The ump's earpiece doesn't work. The strike zone won't load. Give it time. And I swear to you that the PA announcer in one stadium will download the old school AOL dial-up internet soundbite and play it over the loudspeakers while everyone waits for the computer to come back online. And then what if it doesn't? So we, we go back to the regular umps, and if there is one borderline call that sways the game one direction or the other, that game will be played under protest because there wasn't an automated strike zone like every other game, and they were at a disadvantage. Now, hyperboles are exaggerations to make a point. And I admit some of that is going on here. But I am also beginning, I, I'm sorry, I'm also being genuine in that more can go wrong than can go right. Why all the drastic change over 4%? Now I know last year Manfred said that technology isn't ready. But earlier this year, he stated this. I think we're much closer than we were a year ago to having the tech, technological capability to actually call the strike zone. The actuary is, uh, I'm having a hard time. The accuracy is way up, way better than what it was a year ago. This technology continues to move, and it actually moved a little faster than I might have thought. So that was his statements earlier this year. So I want to make sure I acknowledge the progress made in just a year, even less, actually. I am leery of technology advancing too fast. Not that it scares me, but more along the lines of, were there any corners being cut to make it um, progress so quickly? I hope everyone knows that if this launches on opening day one year, it has to be flawless. No room for error. We seem to tolerate human mistakes more than technological ones. And don't even think about telling me that that isn't true. If you haven't smashed your keyboard or thrown your mouse across the room, you're a liar and have no soul. I expect the same outcry directed toward a human umpire to be applied to the robo-ump when it misses a call. When? Tinkering midseason or midweek even is unacceptable in my book. So this is what I was speaking about earlier too prematurely. If you're going to implement an idea, a robo-ump, that you were saying is 99% flawless or 99% accurate, ac- accurate, then it better work a minimum of 99% of the time. You can't have any failures with this. As with the human umpire, we can adjust. We can change things. We can be talked into certain things and, and give explanations. A, a machine can't do that. I just, I just think this, it may correct one idea, but it's going to cause problems in many other places. Kind of a butterfly effect. Okay, let's let's go through point number two and then... I got some trivia for you. It's a good one this week. Number two, every pitch does not matter. It doesn't. Every pitch does not have to be called with perfection. 
Eric Burns mentioned that the difference between a 2-0 count and a 1-1 count is a 400 batting average. A 400 average points. Okay, now that's an interesting stat, but it's hardly proof for a robo-ump. I mean, does every single ball that releases from the pitcher's hand make such a difference? Which one was responsible for the double just hit? Is it because it was 2-0 rather than a 1-2 count? No way of telling. It's like decisions in life. You make a bad choice, and several weeks later, something bad happens to you. Is it because of that bad choice in the past? No way of knowing. Regardless of what you believe about karma or reaping what you sow, it's impossible to see a direct correlation between a certain pitch and a result that occurs maybe several pitches or innings later. You see, the batting average difference that Burns quotes addresses the question of what happened. More doubles occur with this certain count than it does at this other count. Stats can show that, but these stats don't explain why. It's not a form of assessment. It's just observation. Now, yes, when a batter has a better count, the pitches he receives are more favorable and result in better contact with the pitch. That's a given. I'm not denying that. What I am saying is that this is a weak argument. There are other factors that can come into play. I also don't think every pitch matters. When a pitcher deliberately throws a ball out of the strike zone, yes, he wants the batter chasing, but he is intentionally throwing a ball knowing full well he is giving up a pitch. Doesn't look like that pitch mattered. How many times have we heard after a a close ball, the shouts from the dugout like this? Oh, close one. That's okay. That's okay. Good pitch. You're right there. Go there again. He'll give it to you. Why are we fuming when a close pitch doesn't get called? We should, because every pitch matters. Why do we shrug it off as to say, hey, we've got three more balls to work with? We shouldn't shrug it off, because every pitch matters. And, and I could answer those questions with, every pitch doesn't matter. This is, I use hyperbole to make a point, exaggerations to make a point and bring you somewhere. I think a lot of people advocating for this idea is using hyperbole as realistic. I know it sounds weird because you don't use a hyperbole to literally get your point across, but that's what they're doing. They're exaggerating and being dramatic, but not to prove a different point. I just, every pitch doesn't matter. And when someone says that to you, it's, it's just, I just think it's silly and inaccurate. All right, let's do some knuckleball trivia. All right, welcome to Knuckleball Trivia. This is the segment of the show where I give you a question or a riddle. And you have until 6 p.m. Monday, Eastern Time, to figure it out. All right, let's get right through this. We've got a lot to talk about today, so here we go. James Pub Galvin won 360 Major League games and at least another 100 in the minors. He sometimes, this is interesting, he sometimes weighed 300 pounds during the offseason. Looks like I found who I was in a previous life. However, he was also known for being the first pitcher to do these two things in one game. All right? He is the first pitcher to do these two things in one game. So I need you to name those two things, and then you win absolutely nothing. Okay, thanks for playing. Back to the topic at hand. All right, my third point that I want to make about the robo-umps and all that you know comes with it is the umpire actually is part of the game. I was reading an article written by Nathaniel Blake of The Federalist, 
in which he says, The human element of the game is found in the contest between the pitcher and the batter, not between the players and the umpire's ability to call the strike zone accurately and consistently. This comment honestly doesn't make any sense to me. So the umpire pitches the ball and then also hits it over the wall. The umpire makes a diving play and then robs himself of a base hit at the same time. I mean, of course not. And I'm being facetious. The last time I watched a game, all I saw were the players pitching, throwing, running, hitting, and catching. What's interesting is the umpire was called upon in the 1800s to actually break up fights to manage the game. And why? Because two macho men teams couldn't decide it themselves. An arbitrator is an independent person or body officially appointed to settle a dispute. There there needed to be another human to make sure the other competing humans could settle things properly. And now we want to take a piece of that away. Again, I'm not one to use the slippery slope angle. I mentioned this earlier. But who's to say that the RoboUmp won't make its way to calling safe or out at a base? Uh, Maybe signal and noise like in tennis if the ball lands out of play or foul territory in this case. We already have the obnoxious replay system. Golly gee, do I hate the replay system. Who cares if it gets some things right? If the umpires don't get eight slow-mo angles of a play that needs a thin piece of paper to prove who touched the bag first, then replay shouldn't even be a thing. Call it how it happens on the field with that perspective and that angle. If umpires don't get all the bells and whistles for making calls, then no one should. It's just stupid. Okay, really myself back in here. Just because an umpire misses 5% of the calls does not mean the athletes are no longer determining the outcome of the game. That's just a silly notion that wasn't very well thought out. You know how people who take the robo-ump stance say the opposition's argument of, you don't mess with tradition, and it's always been this way, is a weak argument? Have you heard that or maybe even said it yourself? Well, I do agree with you, but this whole, the game is between pitcher and batter and not between players and umpires is just as weak. This argument is their version of our don't mess with tradition comment. They are both unbeneficial. Point number four, just because technology exists doesn't mean it should be implemented. I don't know who it was. I read an argument recently that said it's a shame that we have this technology and we're not giving it to assist the umpires. Why is that a shame? When you say that, you're kind of alluding to the fact that they deserve this extra help or it's entitled to them. Anyway, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I heard that statement from my parents all the time growing up. Now it finally makes sense, and it only took a drastic change in America's pastime for me to realize it. Even if the RoboUmp worked 99% of the time on 99% of the pitches, I still think it messes with the game. Saying the game wouldn't look different because a plate umpire is at home still announcing strikes is a bit misleading. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm not talking about the outward appearance of the game. I'm talking about how the very game is played and the approaches that players, managers, and teams take. Having a top-notch catcher, okay? Being able to not break his wrist in order to keep that low strike from dipping out of the strike zone is invaluable. Framing of pitches is such a skill to have. It's such a part of the game. Having a batter and pitcher adjust to an umpire's strike zone showcases his skills. It doesn't diminish them. Show everyone that you can go opposite field because you have 
to in order to protect the wide strike. Show off that you can consistently throw that inside fastball, even if it's a tad outside. Get the calls because you are so-and-so athlete who has earned it. Heck, do you not have to earn your way up to the corporate ladder or demonstrate to those in authority over you that you can achieve more if they just give you a chance? So much about life is concerned with earning your place. Baseball is a job just like truck driving or staring at a computer screen all day. Do I think players should get certain calls because they earned it? Absolutely. And anybody that says otherwise is just fooling themselves. This whole robo-ump would make calling balls and strikes fair needs to be punted off a cliff. Here's a controversial statement. It's not about getting it perfect. Perfection is not the goal. The goal is getting people to do their job. This type of technology is useful in evaluation, but it doesn't belong in the day-by-day, pitch-by-pitch, real-time action. It goes against the nature of the game. I'm speaking about replay as well. Just look at the NBA. When there's any hint at a hard foul, it is looked at after the play, giving both teams an extra timeout when there are too many anyway. It takes so long, and even after a decision is made, no one still agrees on it. Bottom line, this type of technology should not be implemented. I do not think it has the potential to do more harm. I do think it has the potential to do more harm than good. I think it would introduce other issues into parts of the game that we don't want to lose. Now, I'm sure there are more comments I could make that are just rattling around in my brain, but I want to quickly look at how I think the umpire situation can be improved without the impl- implementation of the robo up. One, I think all umpire evaluations are to be made public. I think this one would help the most. This will keep both the umpires as well as the commissioner's office accountable. I'm not saying that there's shady business going on, but this is typical disclosure to consumers, which are the fans, and a product, baseball, from the manufacturer, the league office. You can't tell me that fewer missed calls, and when I say missed calls, I mean blatant neglect or poor performance, wouldn't occur if umpires knew that their mistakes would be reprimanded publicly. There's a reason why crooks work the third shift. Two, I do think an additional umpire could be implemented. Maybe a roaming one, for lack of a better word. He would follow the ball while the base umpire would follow the runner first and foremost. He wouldn't make a call unless there was uncertainty or unless requested by the base umpire. Or perhaps an umpire behind the pitcher. He would serve the same role that a first or third base umpire does when there is a check swing discrepancy. If the home play umpire just didn't get a good view on the ball, he could point to the mound up for help to get a call. As you well know, there are two perspectives of an at-bat, the batter and the pitcher. Now, I haven't really fleshed this one out too much, but I do agree with Burns that a fifth umpire could be introduced. I just don't want him sitting in his leather lazy boy calling the shots. Number three, get rid of replay. I know it's not going to happen. It's a long shot. The damage has already been done, in my opinion. You've seen some wrong calls corrected. And you you can't go back from there. What's done is done. and, And I think it's it's slowed up the game, and now we're having to patch it up by doing other changes because of this certain change. And it's just, a, it's just a vicious cycle. I even remember saying in an earlier episode of mine that it's hard to get rid of replay after seeing how it corrects some missed calls. I, I have missed in quotes in my show notes because it's not always used correctly. If a replay overturns a call, it doesn't mean it was missed. It just means that the review booth got a better look. The umpire called it as he saw it. Now you can insult the umpire's eyesight all you want, but you can't fault them for standing where they are supposed to be positioned to make a call. He's calling it out as he sees it. And number four, allow more umpire crew conferences. This is a type of part two to the previous point. 
Rule 9.02 parenthetical A says in any umpire's decision, which involves judgment such as, but not limited to, whether a batted ball is fair or foul, whether a pitch is a strike or a ball, or whether a runner is safe or out, is final. No player, manager, coach, or substitute shall object to any such judgment decisions. Now, we know this can be appealed, but only to the umpire who made the initial call. I think we could change this slightly. So instead of going to replay, we allow there to be a gathering of the umpires, uh, including the possible fifth umpire, in order to give assistance to the one that made the call. Honestly, the one who made the call is more than likely has the best angle, but you never know. I just do not like the fact that the authority on the field is given a job, but at any given time, his decision can go to a TV monitor with eight different angles in Ultra HD slow-mo. It's a little insulting, in my opinion, if I was an umpire. There's no place in baseball for the current replay system. Now, I do think that allowing an automated strike zone, the robo-ump, messes with how the game is played. Its influence extends well beyond just calling balls and strikes. It changes the approach and strategy to an already beautiful game, all for the sake of perfection. And I also put that word in quotes. I think like all of life, technology within a live game should always be used with moderation. We are surrounded by automation. This type of technology is everywhere. No way out of it. But an automated strike zone is not the solution for our current umpiring woes. That's all I got to say on it. So let's wrap it up. Welcome to Three Strikes, the part of the show where I try to be funny but fail miserably. Here we go. Strike one. You know that guy that always ruins a good thing? You know who I'm talking about. That guy. Well, Fernando Rodney is my that guy. I was so excited for the bullpen cart because it got the pitcher to the mound quicker. But Rodney seemed to ruin that. Once he jumped off the cart, he did a light cool guy jog for five seconds and then walked slowly the rest of the way. He single-handedly ruined everything. Strike two. Oh, Chase Chambers, first baseman for Tennessee Tech and 18th round Mets draft pick, had a rough day on Monday. He missed the routine pop-up, let a run score, and got hit square in the Nuggets. Trade that glove in for a jockstrap and maybe you would have been picked in the 17th round. Strike three. You are all aware of the Papa Slam, correct? If any player hits a Grand Slam, you can get 40% off a regularly priced pizza. How about we extend the meaning of this? If a player trips and slams into the ground, pop a slam. The player gets angry and takes the Gatorade cooler and slams it into the ground, pop a slam. Or if you are feeling dramatic, you can fake hustle like Eric Burns did in his career and slam into the wall on every play, pop a slam. Well, that's three strikes, or is it? Okay, now I'm out. See ya. Well, folks, that's a wrap. This has been a Ball and Mint podcast production. Take a gander at our website and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Farewell, baseball fans.